Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Talking Sports with Evan. I am your host, Evan Wittalison, and I want to thank you all for uh, listening or watch, either watching the live stream or listening to the podcast later on Apple iTunes or Spreaker, Spotify, wherever you get your, your, your iTunes, Anchor, wherever. So a little later this week than I wanted to be, but just, you know, I work for, for those that don't know, I work in social work and, uh, I work with kids that are dealing with the, the court system, the court process, and it's been a pretty hectic week. So more exhausting than usual this week, but I am here today. A few things I want to talk about, um, give latest updates and thoughts on the Aaron Rodgers situation, Packer OTA, some Brewers thoughts, some Bucks thoughts, and, just a couple things MLB wise that I want to I want to throw out there. One of which there's a play that happened in baseball that a player is being applauded for, where and I where I think it should be not him being applauded for, but I think the other team should be criticized for it. It, it definitely was not a uh, a, a, <laughs> a smart play put it that way so with that um a couple couple housekeeping things i do want to throw out there so for those that are new don't know um i am a health and fitness uh coach online health and fitness coach and i do am looking for some people that are interested in uh trying to live a healthier lifestyle and if that's something you're interested in doing um you can shoot an email coach evan 66 at gmail.com and let me know uh, what you want to do and we can find a way to help you out here coach evan 66 at gmail.com um also if i'm looking for potential show sponsors and advertisers if you know of anyone that could be interested um let me know and i do have a few packages that i could offer uh for that so First topic of conversation to want to get into is Packers and OTAs. Um, I think, like most people, I, I am getting kind of tired and annoyed of this whole Aaron Rodgers situation. And now OTAs have started. He's not there. He's in Hawaii having the time of his life, which, great for him. I don't have an issue with that. But everything he says, everything he does, everything he he thinks are now to the point, well, I guess it's been to the point for a while, it's being overanalyzed. And at the end of the day, I think we just need to just let this whole thing play out. Is Roger skipping OTAs as a way to be defiant towards the front office? Possibly. It's very likely, but it could also be the fact that he, if you recall back a year ago, I'm not exactly sure, um, I don't know if it was a year ago exactly or a little over a year ago, the NFL is going through their collective bargaining negotiations with the Players Association. Rogers was a very outspoken critic of the CBA that they were trying to pass. Rod, you know, the CBA was written in a way that the mid, the middle of the pack players, the the young players, the players that don't have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, 
playing time earned yet, we're going to pass regardless. And they, they got it so just enough of them would vote yes so the CBA would pass. But if we recall, when that CBA was passed, he was very outspoken against it, and he was one of the guys that felt that you know the OTA should be a thing of the past and players shouldn't have to report to August. Anything before August should be virtual. So is that just a coincidence that he says this a year ago and now we have OTAs, he's not going? So I think it could be some uh, something to do with that a little bit too. And obviously the, the rift with him in the Packers front office, he's not ready to report yet. I think it's a combination of both. But I, I think we shouldn't have to overanalyze everything he says, everything he does, everything he he throws out there because it's getting exhausting. Like it is to me, it is truly getting exhausting um, to to freak out on any little thing that he says. And he finally made public comment. Um, and Sports Center Kenny Maine made a couple comments that makes you, you know, it basically sh- uh, shows that yes, there is a rift, um, and yes, it needs to be worked out. And is he going to? Um, is he going to? come back and everything's going to be fine. I don't know. Really, you know, we have a couple of days until June 1st, which is an important date because that is when his salary, if they do trade him or release him, they can cut it into two seasons instead of just the hit all at one time. And then June 8th is the other one because that is mandatory um, mini camp that if he doesn't go to, now he starts getting fined. So those are the two important dates to circle. Um, as we've talked about. Um, but Aaron Rodgers made some comments on with Kenny Maine that definitely that definitely um you know kind of explains a little bit of his feeling. You know, he, he loves the his teammates, he, the, the the coaches, the fans, the 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 city or whatever. Um but he says it's more of a cultural thing. Um so, you know, he says it's more, it's not about Jordan Love. Um, it's both philosophy and doing things the right way. Um, and here's the exact quote. With my situation, look, it's never been about the draft pick, picking Jordan. I love Jordan. He's a great kid. We've had a lot of fun to work together. Love the coaching staff. Love my teammates. Love the fan base in Green Bay. An incredible 16 years. It's just kind of about a philosophy and maybe forgetting that it is about the people that make the thing go. It's about character. It's about culture. It's about doing things the right way. So he never did mention once in there anything about Mark Murphy or Gutenkoos, especially when he's talking about, you know, the things he loves about Green Bay. And, and this is where, as a fan, I'm kind of torn on. So the, the Packer way... Dating back to Ron Wolf, since he got there in, I think, was it 90 or 91? It has pretty much always been about players play, coaches coach, the general manager, general managers. Personnel people do personnel stuff. It's always been that way. They don't, they don't take direction, input, consideration from the players. From as far back as Ron Wolf getting there, it's been... They treat pretty much, for the most part, every player on the 53-man roster like everybody else. Player 1, player 53, they treat them the same. That is that is what Goot does. That is Gutenkus's philosophy. 
He treats player 1 like player 5, like player 53, and player 90. And I don't think that's the right approach, especially with today's athletes. You know, I think Aaron looks around the league. I think he sees LeBron, and I think he looks around sports. I think he sees LeBron James in L.A. and in Cleveland and in Miami having input. Not saying they have to go with what he thinks or what he says, but he has input. Tom Brady and and, uh, now Tampa Bay. I want Antonio Bryant. I want uh, this. I want that. You know, he's getting input. He sees other players around the league having input in, say, on what the team's going to look like. And then in Green Bay, it's, I'm the GM, you're the player. And I get his point. You know, we as fans, we don't pay hundreds of dollars to go to a Packer game to watch Mark Murphy and Brian uh, Gutenkust, uh, GM and, and team president. We, we, we pay the money to watch the players play. And I think he's, as a player, is trying to take back some control. You know, in the, in the NBA, players have a say. Baseball, they have a say to an extent. In the NFL, the players really do not have a say. It's put up or shut up. You do what we ask or, you know, that's whatever. What I, you know, you, you get paid to play the game. You don't get paid to, to draft players. And, and I, I don't think Rodgers is asking for that. I think he's just asking for a voice. I think he's asking for, you know, I am a three-time league MVP. I have won a Super Bowl. I've won a Super Bowl MVP. I've won a lot of games as quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, and you've lost a lot of games when I wasn't available to quarterback the Green Bay Packers. I feel I've earned the right to at least have my voice in the room. I, I think that's more what it is with him when he's talking about it as a philosoph- uh, f- uh, philosophical thing, a cultural thing, a character thing. You know, he goes on a, a sports talk show on Sirius XM Radio stating how much he loves uh, um, J- uh, Jay Kumaro, and then the very next day he gets cut. And as I mentioned in my show last week, which you can find um, on Anchor, uh, Talking Sports with Evan, iTunes, anywhere podcasts are found, I commented last week, if Rogers knows or has some uh, direction that they're going to probably let Kumara go. I don't think he goes on that show, and I don't think he gives such a strong endorsement of Jay Kumara. I don't think he does that. I think he just wants to know what's going on. He wants to know who his teammates are going to be. And, and maybe it's more than that. Maybe he wants more say on who his teammates is. Maybe he wants more say on, hey, we need to keep Jordy Nelson around. Hey, we need to keep uh, Randall Cobb around. You know, he's seen a lot of his friends leave and he may want, he may want a voice, but I I think it's more, it's not that he wants to be the guy making the decisions. He just wants a voice at the table. He wants to be able to say, Hey, I think this player would really help us. Um, What do you think? And actually get it taken serious rather than thanks for the input, but you know, we're going to do things our way. You, You go play quarterback. Sports are different than they were 20, 30, 40 years ago. And players want control. And 
as I mentioned, at the end of the day, that is what I think it is with Rodgers. He just wants some say in his future. He wants some control. He wants a voice. I'm not saying I completely agree with him, but I understand where he's coming from. And if I was in his shoes, which I'm not, I'm not a three-time league MVP, but if I was in his shoes, I would want the same thing. I would want a voice. I would want my voice to be heard. And we'll find out June 8th if Rogers shows up to the uh, the mandatory team mini camps to see if this has um, if he if he's going to show up. Now, one of his friends does put a you know I don't know if it's a, a troll job. Um, one of the guys he's went in Hawaii with. I'm just I'm looking for the tweet so I uh, I get it perfect. Um, that's that's a different tweet. Talk about that later. Uh, Miles Tiller puts out on Twitter, cheers to signing with the Packers. And now basically a lot of people have spent all day analyzing, is that Rodgers that took the picture? What does this mean? Did Rodgers make a, you know, sign an extension? Did he come to an agreement with the Packers on him coming back? Nothing's been reported yet. Nothing's been uh, confirmed, but... I personally think it's this guy just messing with us, and hey, he just got punched in the face at this wedding uh, stuff that he's at. Misunderstanding at this wedding dinner, he got punched in the face. So I don't think he, I don't think he, uh, he's really that well liked. You know, I don't know his work really well as an actor. I'm not going to criticize him as, as an actor, but I don't know. So moving on to Packer OTA. So the the the. OTAs are underway, and so what I've seen from people that are there is Jordan Love looks a lot more in control. So last year, we didn't have OTAs. We had a very different offseason, as we all know. COVID wiped out minicamps, OTAs, everything. Um, In training camp, from what most people said, Jordan Love didn't look the part. He 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 struggled. He, but the thing is, you're you got to expect that. You know, you're used to the college game, the speed of the college game, and now the NFL is much faster. There's a lot more to to take in. There's a lot more going on than in, in college football. So it takes some adjustment. It takes some learning, and his his adjustment year was. No, no preseason games, so he doesn't get any reps in live game action. And Tim Boyle needs to get up most of the reps to be ready for, you know, in case Rodgers gets hurt. And obviously Rodgers is a starting quarterback, and he needs his reps to be ready to go uh, for in the game. So there wasn't a lot of reps to go around. Rodgers not being there right now might be a blessing in disguise for uh, for Jordan Love. You know, Rodgers got a ton of reps back in 2006, 2005, 2007. He got a ton of reps during this time because Brett was pondering retirement. You know, I don't know. I might retire. I might come back. I don't know what I'm doing yet. I'm not sure. I'm whatever. Rodgers was getting all these reps, and, and it made him a better player. It made him a much better football player getting all the reps in OTAs and minicamps and whatever. I forget how the offseason was structured then. But he was getting every single rep. And it, it, it helped. It, it made him a better quarterback. It gave him chances to work on his game, 
develop his game, show his teammates that I am the real deal. And that's what Jordan Love is getting the opportunity to do right now. So it, it might be a blessing in disguise that Aaron Rodgers is not at OTAs. He's enjoying time in Hawaii with his fiance and his buddies for a wedding. And that's the other thing, too. He's in Hawaii for a wedding. You know, maybe that's why he feels he doesn't want to be at OTA. I have this wedding I got to go to. And if that's the case, fine. So I know I've gone a lot of different directions here with my, my, my thoughts with this whole Rodgers thing. But I just, there's not an easy answer and there's not an easy side to pick. Like, I understand where the Packers are coming from with it. You know, Rodgers had two injury plagued uh, one of the years but two down seasons, and he didn't look like he was interested in running the offense in 2019. To, you know, so they draft a potential, you know, he's 36, 37 years old. We got to, you know, I, I got to start thinking of the future. That's my job as a general manager. I got to start thinking of the future of this franchise. Aaron, been a great quarterback for us. I want him here as long as he can be here but I got to start planning for what happens if he falls off a cliff what happens if 2019 was the best Aaron Rodgers we we are going to see so I, I understand the Packers viewpoint in drafting Jordan Love and you know the Packers are a team that has to be a little more frugal when it comes to finances they don't have a billion dollar owner uh that makes it available for you to front load these contracts or back load these contracts like a Jerry Jones or a Daniel Snyder can do. Yes, every team has to play within the constraints of the NFL salary cap, but the guaranteed money and how much money you give in the first couple years of the deal, that all comes into play. And the Packers not having a billion-dollar owner, it's hard for them to compete with these other teams. You know, in 2018, uh, yeah, no, 2019, I'm sorry, they they threw a lot of money at at the Smiths, at Amos, at Billy Turner, um, guys that really helped the Packers get to the NFC Championship game that year with how much money, and then with Rodgers' extension, uh, how much money he got up front in that extension. They didn't have the cash on hand to be very active in the 2020 free agency season. Yes, they could have messed around with some contracts and stuff like that to try to do it, but they didn't have the cash on hand, and they basically ran it back with a few additions and subtractions and tried to get to back to the NFC Championship game, and guess what they did? So guess what are they, what are they doing now? They're bringing everybody back, and they're trying to do the same approach again to see if they can take that next step. They're depending on guys first, second, third, fourth year guy taking that next step as as uh, contributors to the team. Some of them contract years. So they, they either put up or shut up time for them. Kevin King, Josh Jackson, for example. To me, Gut's done a good job building the roster. Yes, he could be more active in free agency, but this isn't Major League Baseball. It's not the NBA, and it's not like other NFL teams. You know, you have the, the Packers are unfortunately in a small market, and they they don't have an owner who can eat some of these costs without even blinking twice. So I could be wrong there, but I understand where the Packers come from with their approach, and I get where I get Aaron's approach too. You know, it's it it's hard to pick a side. It's hard to 
you know, say, well, Aaron is 100% right or the Packers are 100% right. I think they're both in the wrong. I think they're both handling it and handled it the wrong way. You could have been more upfront with his thoughts and his uh, feelings about it to Aaron. And Aaron could be more upfront on his thoughts and feelings now. It doesn't sound like he's really explained to anybody how this could be fixed. Can it be? If you talk to John Kuhn and James Jones and now the national guys, uh, your Ian Rappaport is starting to get the idea that this is likely going to be fixable and Rodgers will likely be back in 2021. I still think he will. You know, you're seeing more of that than what you did around the draft saying that the chances are probably zero that he'll play for the Packers again. But now we just got to get it solved and get it fixed and just kind of see what happens. So wide receivers missing OTA. I know there's been a lot of speculation that it was a kind of a, a solidarity thing towards Aaron, the guys that missed. I think, uh, only two guys were, two or three guys were there. Adams, MVS, Funces, St. Brown. Um, they all weren't there. And, uh, Lazard, they weren't all there. And people are wondering if it was in solidarity with Rodgers. And it could have been. But it also could have been various other things too. You know, St. Brown has a young child at home. Maybe there's something going on with that child that he wanted to be home with his, his girlfriend and his child. Funches had a lot of personal issues going on last year and why he opted out because of COVID. He had family members dealing with it. Maybe he felt more comfortable working on his craft at, at home. Devante has his own contract stuff that he's worrying about. And we don't know what MVS and Lazard, uh, Lazard's issues are. And if you remember right, the NFLPA, about a, uh, right before this uh, TV deal broke, the NFLPA was talking about they wanted... Uh, you know, mini camps and OTAs to be all virtual this year and players should boycott and not show up. That is what the players, that's what the players association was saying. Guys should not show up to, uh, to OTAs, to the voluntary stuff, only show up to the mandatory stuff. So there's, there's a lot, there's a lot in play here and it's hard to pinpoint what it could exactly be because guess what? Nobody's talking about it. Nobody's giving the reasons why they're not there. So instead of jumping to conclusions, which I, I know is partially what you know, sports talk and podcasting and uh, sports talk radio and TV is. That's what that's what drives the ratings. That's what drives the viewership, the listen, uh, listenership. But it's just nothing but speculation right now. So we just need to relax and let things play out how they're going to play out. And I think it ends with Rodgers being the starting quarterback in twenty twenty one. I hope I'm right. I think I'm going to be right, but, you know, we'll see. Moving on quick to baseball. Um, I try to keep these under 30 minutes, and I went a little longer talking Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and I wanted to. But there's a play that happened with the Cubs and the Pirates. Javi Baez, and, you know, he, he's, a, he's a player that plays hard a lot and doesn't make a lot of, you know, makes a lot of boneheaded plays at times, too. He's very aggressive on the base paths and whatnot. He had a play in the Pirates game yesterday. He's at bat, runner on second, two outs, hits it to the third baseman. The third baseman throws it to first. The, it takes the first baseman off the bag a couple steps in front of the bag. Baez stops, starts running home. Then the first baseman tries to chase him down, retreats him back to home. 
Then the guy who was on second is now rounding home, and the catcher, throw me the ball, throw me the ball. He tosses it to the catcher. The catcher misses the tag. He's safe, and then Baez sprints back to first. There's nobody covering first, so he sprints to second, and... You know, the ball gets thrown. You know, thankfully, the third baseman was the only guy doing his job correctly on that play on the infield. Um, he was there to back up the bag and didn't allow Baez to get any more. So, Baez is getting a lot of people applauding him for his, quote, uh, smart base running and his whatever. No, to me, it's just stupid. To me, it's stupid, it's stupid decision-making by the Pirates. That's what it is to me. The the Pirates, all the guy had to do, take two steps back and touch the bag. Inning over. It doesn't matter what happens with the run. You got the force out at first. The inning's over. Okay, so now I'm going to try to chase him, chase him down. All you literally had to do, you're a foot away from him, you, me to my screen away, all you had to do, touch him. Inning over. Nope, he decides to try to throw it to the catcher. All the catcher had to do was reach over and tag Baez after he got the ball. What does he do? No, he try he try he doesn't try doing that. He tries chasing him back to first and tries to throw the ball to first. It's just it's so many boneheaded mistakes by Pittsburgh that I just I get mad watching it. It's like how are we so how how are they so dumb. How are they so moronic? Like, this is a game these guys have been playing since they were a very young age, and they they can't do a routine out at first base, which would have neglect, neglected the run regardless of what happened after that. Just touch the first base bag. Get the force out. You had the force out. He was a guy batting. There's nowhere for him to run. If he wants to run back towards home, fine. Be my guest. I'm going to take three steps back, and I'm going to touch first base. That's literally all the first baseman had to do. Then all he literally had to do was touch the the uh, touch bias, and they didn't do it. You know, to me, you know, the things Lorenz, and I'm not saying this because, you know, I'm trying to be a homer because I know a few people are going to point to me saying that I only saying this because I'm a Brewer fan. The things Lorenzo Cain did against the Cubs twice, that was smart base running. Because a lot of times when you get guys in these rundowns, both guys touch the bag and the lead guy's out, or I, th- I think that's how it plays out. Cain doesn't touch the bag. He stands just by the bag until the guy can get back to the bag, and then he then he goes back to his base. That's smart base running. That's understanding the rules. That's knowing the base running rules. Baez decided, you know what? Let, let's give this a try. Let's see what happens. And surely enough, Pittsburgh crapped the bed, and yeah. So that's my idiots of the week. Move on to the, you know to the uh, the Brewers. The Brewers made a trade this week uh, since my last show, I should say. Uh, they traded J.P. Fireisen and Drew Rasmus to Tampa Bay for a pitcher, uh, Richards, and really a Demas, a Dimas. Uh, 
who I really like what Willie Ademus Ademus has had to do with what he's done so far. Hit a home run last night or yesterday um, to make a 5-3 Brewers, which yes, I know the Brewers gave up the lead. But he's he's doing much better offensively in Milwaukee than he was in Tampa Bay. I know when the Brewers got him, he was batting in the 100s. Uh, He's up to, I want to say, 204, 205 now. And he's uh, he's playing really smart baseball, and he's brought something to this team. The team seems more energized. They they split the series against the Padres. They won the series against the Reds, and where they were supposed to start a series against the Washington Nationals tonight, they're not due to it being rained out. They're doing a doubleheader possibly tomorrow. Again, weather's a factor. And then again on Sunday. So the Brewers are, you know, Offensively, it's still hit and miss, but pitching has kind of come down back down to earth a little bit, unless you're Brandon Woodworth and uh, Corbin Burns for the most part and Josh Hader. But pitching's kind of come back down to reality. Obviously, the Brewers weren't going to pitch the pace they were going through the first portion, the first month and a half of the year, but pitching's still strong. And a couple things I want to comment on. I'm seeing people comment on. Craig Council needing to be fired. I don't agree with that at all. I think Council's a great manager. I think he manages the pitching staff perfectly. I think he's managed games perfectly this year in some situations that they've lost. That you know, if the you know the game lined up exactly how he wanted it to, you know, you get through six with your starter, and you go to Fire Eisen in the seventh, Williams in the eighth, Hater in the ninth. Fire Eisen started to struggle a little bit. Williams is still up and down. Um, Hater is still Hater. But the game played out exactly how he wanted it to play out. It just didn't work out. It, it happens sometimes. You know, yeah, baseball, you have a coach, you have coaches, you have a manager. But ultimately, like all sports, it's a game played in the in the field by men. And I think, you know, I think unlike a lot of the sports, it's very unpredictable on what could happen. At the end of the day, nine times out of ten, Josh uh, Devin Williams shuts it down. Yesterday, he gave up two runs in the in the eighth to tie it up. Typically, he wouldn't do that. So, baseball is just one of these sports that's extremely unpredictable. That it didn't work out yesterday, and I've also seen a lot of people talking about Keston Hira being a four A player and just get rid of him. He's awful. He sucks. The uh, you know, whatever, my take on that is simple. Is this a lost year for Keston Hero? Maybe. But maybe the perfect bunt he laid down in the game yesterday might be just what he needs to get hot. We'll find out now tomorrow, possibly, since there's no game today. But you don't give up on talent like that. You don't just give up on it. He's showing at every level, high school, college, uh Single A, double A, triple A, and 2019 in the majors, and then triple A again this year, that he has some great peer talent that you just don't give up on. And it was the same with Corbin Burns in 2019. You know, Corbin Burns was struggling. People wanted to run him out of town, get rid of him. He was awful. But you got to, you know, when you're a team like the Brewers too, with the young guys you have under team control, you have to stay patient. You have to stay patient. 
deal with the growing pains. And I know it sucks because it's a big, you know, big league games and he's costing you out, uh, whatever. But you have to deal with the growing pains because when he figures it out, which he, I, I, I believe Keston Hero will figure it out, just like Corbin Burns figured it out. I think it's all mental right now for Keston Hira. It is going to work out huge for you. And I think you just be patient and deal with the growing pains and maybe send them down to AAA extended period of time or put him at 7th or 8th in your batting order. Try to limit his high leverage uh, uh, plate appearances to low in the batting order and go from there. So, And the last thing I want to talk about is Buck. So I think winning game three yesterday was huge. They, they barely won game one, blew them out in game two, and I already heard the narratives. I already heard the, the, the talking heads and whatnot, your four-letter networks and you know, against Toronto, they, they, they barely won game one and they blew them out in game two, and then they lost. They didn't win again. You know, so let's see what happens in game three. Now, I knew, I fe- I still feel, especially now that they're up three games and none, the Bucks are going to win this series. I still think it's going to be in five. I think we have one more in Milwaukee coming up. Um, But I was very confident in them against the Heat this year, this season, in the playoffs. And they've shown it in game two and three on why I'm confident in the Bucks in the playoffs. P.J. Uh, P. Tucker, um, Drew Holiday, Bobby Portis, they offer you a lot more than your Eric Bledsoe, your Ersan Ilyasova. Um, even Pat Connaughton's better this season um, than he was. I know the Bucks took a big hit now losing Dante DiVincenzo for the playoffs. He gave you, you know, he didn't score a lot of points. He made you bang your head against the wall with his ball decision sometimes, but he was a very pesty defender, very, uh, ener- brought a lot of energy cl- crashing the boards, and he was, a, you know, a key guy in that starting rotation. But now it's up to Bryn Forbes um, and P.J. Tucker and uh, those guys to probably get a lot of those minutes that uh, DiVincenzo has given up. So it'd be interesting to see what happens uh, in Game Four with the Bucks. Can the Bucks finish it out? Have the Heat just quit? Um, if you w- watched the last two games, especially the end of Game Game Three, it looks to me it looks like the Heat have officially tapped out. We'll see what kind of energy they bring in uh, Game Four. And here's the thing: if the Bucks punch the Heat in the mouth early on in that game, if they if they stretch it to a double digit game by halftime. Like they did uh, in game two and game three and uh, keep stretching that lead. If they're up double digits by halftime, I don't think, I think the Heat are going to tap out. I'm impressed with what Budenholzer has done in the playoffs. I think he's been, and and it's easier this year in the playoffs with Drew Holiday and Tucker, um, Bryn Forbes in the roles that guys like Eric Bledsoe, and Ursani de la Silva, and, uh, you know, <laughs> those guys tried to bring you. Um, George Hill, you know, he, he they bring a lot more to the table than those guys did. So I think Bud is more comfortable doing things out of the norm that he typically wouldn't do because he knows he has guys this year that can do it. The Bucks' defense has been outstanding through three games, 
And that's what's going to be key for them getting past the first round, through the second round, and into the Eastern Conference Finals. And if they get to the uh, Eastern Conference Semifinals, it's going to be a tough, tough sailing against the the uh, Brooklyn Nets. But I think the Bucks have the dogs, as P.J. Tucker brought up. I think they have the dogs to do it, and I think they will. So thank you for spending some time listening to the show. If you made it through this far, I appreciate it. Uh, CoachEvans66 at gmail.com if you're looking to get healthy, lose some weight, eat healthier, whatever it is you want to do. Give, talk to me. You can find me on Twitter at Evan with Sports. You can email me, TalkingSportsWithEvan at gmail.com. Usually I have a game plan on what I'm going to say and how I'm going to my format, but you know I just let it fl- I just let it flow, let it fly today. And I appreciate those that support me after you give me a listen, uh, share it with somebody else. Um, if you're listening via iTunes uh, or Apple Podcasts, uh, rate it, review it, share it, and let's uh, help me out here. I appreciate doing this. I love talking sports, and I appreciate the support I get. So until next week, have a healthy and safe um, extended weekend. And thank you for all those who paid the ultimate sacrifice who serve this country. Talk to you all later.